You are listening to World Harvest Church's weekly podcast. WHC is a cross-cultural church with passion for reaching the lost and hurting. We are mission-minded and committed to raising up generations of mighty men and women of God. If you're in the Atlanta area, check us out on Sunday mornings at either 9 or 11.15 a.m. or on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. From wherever you're listening, we hope this week's message empowers you to grow and go. I'm starting this series, Set Apart for God. I set myself apart to write this, Set Apart for God. The Lord told me when I began this church, do not tell people what they want to hear, but tell them what they need to hear. We are not here to raise Christianettes. We are here to raise warriors for God. I'm serious. We are, we are, in fact, we love you so much, we want to tell you the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And when your, Joyce Myers tickled me, she said, the one tape series I sell the least of is my tape series on how to be holy. Because in the world of the Christian, I want victory, how to defeat a habit, I need to make more money, I need to get my, I, I, I need a wife, I need this, I want, show me how I can come up into the promises of God. They're all true. And so I use this because the word holy literally means, from the Greek, to be set apart for God. That's what holy means. So I thought I'd use that nomenclature not to scare people off. But it is about being set apart for God. And I want you to go to First Peter, the epistle of Peter. And I'd like you to go to chapter 1. And I'd like you to go to verse 13. Just a few verses. It says, therefore, therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as it in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call out the Father, if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the, the time of your stay here in fear. Knowing that, you're, knowing that you were redeemed, with, not, not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your aimless conduct. Imagine, imagine what God calls a conduct outside of following Jesus. Aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. Father, I'm asking that you would anoint the hearers today. Let us hear what you're saying. Let it touch our hearts. Let it make a shift in our actions. And Lord, anoint me to deliver the word with boldness and liberty and freedom. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 It's a, I'm sure you've heard the scripture before. But it's amazing how God calls us to be holy. It's really a command, not a suggestion. Because God is a holy God. And he asks you to be holy because you know what? God has no sin. But you know what God has no sin? That means God is not controlled by sin. Jesus said, let me tell you something. Out of John chapter 8, he said, whoever commits sin, sin is your master. That means God is free. And if you have no sin, 
you have no depression. God is happy. God is joyful. If you have no sin, the devil has no access to you. And Jesus said, the enemy, Satan, comes to me, but he finds nothing in me. Why? Because he was pure. He was holy. So what God is telling us, he says, if you want to live a life of victory and freedom and power, be like me. You've got to be holy. Because this thing called sin, that's the power lines that Satan runs his captivity through. So the more that you can shred sin and get it out of your life, the less the devil can get to you. And the reason why people think sin is not important, I mean holiness is not important, because, well, I'm holy, I've been born again, and they know the scriptures, if you're justified by faith, there will be your peace with God. That God calls us holy, and we're, if you are a born-again child of God, that God's got a word for you, saint. The word saint means holy one. You say, well, I are holy. But sanctification has three levels. Number one, Jesus makes you justified and sanctified by faith in him. Number two, sanctification is an ongoing process because you haven't, been, you haven't arrived there. But number three, the day you meet Jesus out of 1 John 3, 2, the day you meet him face to face, you'll instantly be like him. So we're in phase two. We are looking to get our lives turned around to fit Jesus' life. When you talk about holiness, you're talking about character, the way you live. And he's talking about your whole conduct, not a piece of it, all of it. Everyone has Sunday morning faith. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe it just that way. But we don't want to film your ugly self on Monday morning. But we need to be. This is a 24-7, seven days a week lifestyle. And he calls us. It's like, be holy for I am holy. It's like a call. It comes, that scripture is taken out of Leviticus, where God calls on us to be holy as he is holy. And we need to embrace the call and not get caught up with some of the false holinesses that is, of holiness that is out there. The reason people, I think, resist holiness, they say, well, I don't want to be a prude. I want to be a legalistic because we see people that want to be holy in the world, and it's amazing what human beings come up. And there are institutions, churches that are still this way. If you're a woman, no makeup, no jewelry, never cut your hair. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Long hair, can't cut your hair. Like if that's going to make you holy. I remember growing up as a child, we would travel by boat and going from Cape Town to Southampton, England, for uh, we'd spend months doing itinerary work. I remember as a kid sitting with my mother on a, on a launch, on one of those chairs that sit by the deck, you watch the ocean, not much to watch, but you watch the sea. And she had a sundress on, meaning that her, it was sleeveless. And this woman, we had other missionaries on the boat, because others were, I remember this woman came up to my mother and started berating her. You call yourself a Christian, yet you're a woman of God. And yet you wear a sleeveless dress. And I'm like, as a kid, I'm going, I'm going back and forth. Like, wh who is this woman? And really? I mean, you're going to go to hell if you don't have sleeves on your, on, your, on, your, on your arms? And so I got such negative, 
feeling about that. Just know, I don't want to go there. And so a lot of people say, like, I don't want to be holy because I don't want a better than thou attitude. You know, we're all just sinners saved by grace. Let's just all slop in the mud together. No, 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 no. That's crazy. We're not talking about legalism. Although I'll say this, the early Pentecostal people understood one thing. There's a connection between purity of life and power of God. They did get, they may have got misconstrued in some of what they believed, but at least they understood they was holiness in their own way they're trying to make it holy. But unfortunately, we're throwing, our, we're throwing everything out. And now people go the other way. And I would say this. In today's culture, it's the most dangerous time for a Christian if they're not pursuing holiness. Because what's happened is the morality, the immorality of the world has seeped into the church. And now the church accepts behavior that in years ago would be reprehensible. I mean, Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. told me the story. I mean, I was appalled of a big charismatic church in New York. One of the families he knew sent their 21-year-old son to be a worship apprentice at this church. Little did he know that at the end of every service, they had a big lunch for the worship leaders and workers, and there was an open bar. Beer and wine, help yourself. Which I hate to say this, if I told you many churches do this, it, it would make you shudder. So he had never drunk it before. He starts drinking, and with one year, he was a slush. He was an alcoholic. The parents had to rescue him from this spirit-filled church and put him in detox. There's another friend of mine. He's a pastor. Don't mention names, places, but he lived in Kentucky, and there was a big youth conference at a big church in Cincinnati across the line. He said the first thing we went into, the lobby, was a huge bar with open drinks for everybody. That's the norm. Hard drinks, beer, whatever. And then he said, we went to the conference, the first, there's a lady who was speaking, she dropped the F-bomb continually, and she said, we need to get over it because this is how young people relate. Oh, we're going to become just like hell. And so I don't want to pick at too much stuff, but what's happening is our standard of morality keeps dropping. And we can watch anything we want to on the phone, we can see movies, we can watch things that are reprehensible to the things of God, but we say, well, it's okay. So we take God, we take God's like a sugar daddy. Here, God, I need this, bless me. And he's like a benevolent grandfather. Oh, it's okay, sonny, we understand. When actually, it's a false picture of God. We've shrunken our God. We've made him tiny. We've taken holiness away from him. And especially in the grace message, we've just taken all responsibility that grace is there to enable you to live a holy life. And it takes the Holy Spirit to do it. You cannot do it by yourself. But if you look at sanctification in the Greek, it's always a passive thing. You present yourself to God so God can do the work in you. It's like you're here today. You present yourself to God in this service. You say, God, do a work in me and through me. For God's at work in me both to will and do his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13. But we've got to understand that this holiness with God is not a minor thing. And you need to understand that holiness is your safety in the world we live in today. Never think because you're saved today, you'll be saved a year from now. Listen to me. I've watched too many people that I know personally raised in church, got them saved here, got them filled with the Holy Ghost, serving in church. And then they met the floozy. 
what's a floozy? A loose woman. And started to have her come to her home to work. I said, you can't marry. What, 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 are you, what, are you, what are you doing? When I told them, you can't do that, they said, you can't tell me what to do. They left the church. Years later, another staff member ran into them. They said, man, where are you going to church? I don't go to church anymore. I don't do that Jesus junk anymore. What did you just say? The Bible talks about a sin unto death of which there's no repentance. Once you're born again, if you reject Jesus with your own volition and you say, I don't want him anymore, you're a dead man walking. Now, I'm not trying to scare people. You have to pray every day, Lord, I want to go to heaven. No, no, you should have assurance that you're going to heaven. But what you need to do is not skate the line or how much of the world can I have and still make heaven. You need to get way over here and how much of God can I get and to glorify his name. So I want to talk to young people, especially because the temptation is sometimes greatest on the young. The world wants to work to get you out of fellowship with God. And if you let it, the more you fellowship with the world, they will cut you off from the fellowship with God. So choose your friends wisely. What does the word holy mean? Hagio in the Greek. Holy means to be set apart. Set apart for God in this context is to be separated to God. Now there's two forms of this, two separations. One, you're separated unto God for his service. Two, you're separated from sin. That you, what you see things that convict you. And by the way, the Holy Spirit doesn't convict you. Your own spirit convicts you of sin. You can run to God with your sin and say, Holy Spirit, I repent of it and I need your comfort now. He will comfort you and strengthen you. Enable you to live the life that God called you to live. God would never say, be holy like I'm holy, unless he gave you the power and wherewithal to do it. But you can live a holy life. You know, some people say holiness is unattainable. Baloney. Holiness is obtainable. You can live a righteous, holy life. You can live a life where your mind is clear. You can live a life where your heart's at peace with God. And there's something, I'll talk about it at the end of the sermon, but the benefits. But let me tell you what, the more you live a whole life, there's great confidence in you. You don't lean upon yourself, but the devil has less to work with you. But holiness is a calling that God gives to everyone, every Christian. I want you to be like me. I want you to be like me. And to be like him is to be made holy and holy in all our actions. Amen. Amen. And so if you go back to 1 Corinthians, I mean 1 Peter 3, I mean, 1 Peter 1, 13. You notice what it says here. Um, it says here, therefore gird up the loins of your mind. What does that mean? Back in the day, they had robes. If anyone wanted to do some work, they would gather the robes up and put it under their belt. That means you're ready to get to action. I read some of the translations that said, strip yourself down to your gym shorts, get ready for action. For what kind of action? To live a holy life. He said, be sober. That word means don't be drunk with the world's intoxication. Sober up. Understand the world is aimless. The world is going nowhere. Look at the aim of the world. He who has the most toys when he dies wins. That's, we laugh at that, but that's basically what it is. 
I asked my boss one time, who's a multimillionaire. His dad was a multimillionaire, so he was given millions in a bank account, and he lived off it. I asked him, why do you work? You get hundreds of thousands. He said, he, he thought about it. He says, I work. He said, I know why I work. I work to have power over people. You know what? He hit the nail on the head. That's exactly it. You want social status, you want money, you want wealth, you want position, so you can lord it over other people. That's the bottom line. The devil wants to control people. The devil wants to dominate people. But you see, Jesus came to set us free. And when you sin, let me tell you what, sin is the currency of hell. And it's called control. And your sin can control you. And Jesus said, if your sin, listen, whatever you're sinning, it's your master. But I got good news. Jesus can break the power of sin, has broken it over your life. You don't have to sin. I promise you this in Jesus' name. In fact, what needs to happen in today's world? Christians need to step it up in their holy walk with God. So you shine like a bright light in a very dark place. And your biggest enemy will be other Christians that will come against you. You're too holy. You're too pure. Why did you go to a week-long revival? Aren't you saved? I'm saved, but I want more of him. See, that's the difference between people that want to be really for Jesus and just nominal believers. And not about you. Your family can be your worst enemy. Your, quote, Christian family. I've learned not to listen to them. I love them, but I'm not going to listen to what they say. But the Bible talks about this, that... And rest your hope fully upon the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's a hope that one day, as I'm walking into my holiness, I'm stepping into one day, I'll be made completely holy. That God's going to catch me up, whatever I'm lacking. And I have a great hope. I'm running for that prize in Jesus' mighty name. Out of the book of uh, Timothy, it says, 1 Timothy 1.9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Say, I have a holy calling. And part of that calling is to be holy. Ephesians 1.4 says, just as he chose us in him. I'm so glad I'm chosen in him, aren't you? Before the foundation of the world. That's a long time ago. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That God, before he ever created us and saw us on the planet, he said, I see you as a holy people. Set apart for me. Set apart for my cause and purpose. And you're going to have my character. You're going to walk in my patience. You're going to walk in my love. Praise God. Hallelujah. And 2 Peter 3, 8, it says that we're called to a holy conduct and godliness. And so we are called, the holy life is a, is a, is a life of triumph, victory, and power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we can't allow the devil to let us get in the slop of compromise. Don't even allow little sins on you. Everything that offends God should offend you. You need to sensitize your spirit to sin. And the more you come into God, the more you hear, be holy for I'm holy. Yes, Lord, I'll be holy. You got to make it a goal. Say, I am called to be holy. And by the grace of God, I'm going to walk in holiness. You got to make up your mind. That's going to be your goal because that's the goal of God. First Thessalonians 4, 3 says, this is the will of God. Even your sanctification. Sanctification is another word for being separated, another word for holiness. God's will is that you walk in holiness. Well, who's going to grade me? Not other people, but God will. Oh, I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing. Well, well then, we serve this God. Let me tell you what's happened to us. In America, we've shrunken God. We've made him small. J.B. Phillips had this great book entitled, I read it, 
your God is too small. We've got to get a picture through the word. You only get this through the word. If you, the more you stay out of the Bible, the less you'll get the picture. It'll become fade away. We serve an awesome God. He's not just a mighty God. He's almighty. He's just not knowing some things. He knows everything. He's all powerful. And he's completely righteous and holy. God himself is set apart from all his creation. He's, he said, you made a little lower than the angels. That's how the Bible says in Psalms 8. But yet that little lower, we are still a long ways to go to the holiness of God. He says in scripture, he says, um, to whom will you liken God or what likeness will you compare with him? You can't touch him in his holiness. You can't get close to him. And Jesus said, whenever he talked about the Father, he said, you're the Holy Father. Even the Lord's Prayer, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What's that about? Reminding ourselves that he's a holy God. Hallowed means holy. Never forget how holy he is. He's without sin. He's spotless. The Bible says, 1 Timothy 6, 16, he says, God dwells in unapproachable light. When Jesus was transfigured in the Mount of Transfigurations, Matthew 17, the Bible says his face shone like the sun. His garments became glistening white like snow. When John the Revelator saw Jesus in Revelations 1, he had eyes, eyes with flames of fire, his feet of burnished bronze, and he glowed. I tell you, there's no darkness in him at all. He is a holy God. On Wednesday night, for those of you here, I sat there and Sister Debbie Rich, Pastor Debbie, shared about her vision of Jesus. She only shared a part of it. Jesus appeared to her, called her when she was 18. He said, I looked into the eyes of Jesus. I saw liquid love, but at the same time, I saw holy fire. And as she preached and shared the presence of God, how many of you remember that? Just came in this place. It's like you sensed the awesome presence, the weighty presence of a holy God. And I just felt, it's like you just feel so humbled that he would manifest himself in this way. In his great power and his great holiness. And so he says, um, these four living creatures in the book of Revelations. Four living creatures. Their, their whole body's filled with eyes. It little, sounds a little spooky. And they have six wings. And with two, they cover their feet. With two, they cover their face. And with two, they fly. And it's amazing what they could be saying in heaven around the throne. Oh, God, how loving you are. Oh, God, how mighty you are. Oh, God, how great you are. But of all the attributes of God, they just sing one. The most important one. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts who was and is and is to come. Holy. It's like a refrain. One was saying, holy, holy, holy. And the other would catch like a refrain. Holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord God of hosts. Is the Lord God of hosts. 
who was and is and is to come. In the atmosphere of heaven around his throne, they cry holy. Jesus referred to the Father as the Holy Father. They refer to Jesus as the Holy One. And the Holy Spirit is always called the Holy Spirit. He's holy. Because that's who he is. There's no darkness in him at all. We don't understand the purity and the power that's in his holiness. That no man can stand before him. And then in order to paint a picture of his greatness, he told the children of Israel when they left Egypt, went to the Red Sea, now they're in front of Mount Sinai. The father called Moses up to heaven. He said, I've got instructions. I'm going to visit my people. Tell them to prepare because I'm a holy God. I want them to all bathe, wash their clothes, have no sexual intimacy, just stay pure, and I want them to gather around the mountain, but don't touch the mountain. If you touch it, you'll die. We need to learn a holy fear of God. Don't play with God. I remember a woman, Petey Wagner, she shared, she was a multi-millionaire. She shared, she's in heaven now. She had this business, and she was very successful. And some evil men contrived to get the money from her. They kidnapped her, put her in a hospital room, boarded up with like an abandoned wing, and tortured her to try to get her to confess where the money was. Because the thing was, she'd hidden money in the ground. And one night, she got away. She had to jump out of a two-story window. They popped her eye out. They were wicked. She landed like a pillow and escaped. They got her eye back in. She said, those seven men that did that, within three days, were all dead. She described, one man raced the hospital, blood poured out of every orifice, and he died on the sidewalk. Others were killed in car wrecks, plane wrecks. I've heard that happen to many ministers. You touch what God does, what happens is you're only alive here by the protecting hand of God. If God just moves his hand slightly, you're toast. Don't mess with God. He is a holy God. And the Bible says out of the same passage I just read out of 1 Peter, he respects no one, meaning that he has no favorites. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. God has no exceptions. So they gather at the mountain, and then the day of his arrival shows up. It's in Mount Sinai. Now they got Mount Horeb. They got it wrong. All of your books are wrong. Your Bibles are wrong. I hate to say it, but they found the mountain. It's in Saudi Arabia. It's a mountain that the entire top is full. It's just the flat, it's melted rock. Why? Because they said the Bible says God descended like a mighty consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. And he landed on top of that mountain. He said the smoke was up to the, went up to the heavens. The whole sky was filled with this dark smoke. And there were lightnings going out, thunderings, and the ground shook. And God said, well, I'll call him with a trumpet. And the trumpet grew louder and louder. 
And from that mountain, God literally spoke his voice. We often think that he first wrote the Ten Commandments. No, he first spoke them. Go read in your Bible. He articulated what he wanted to say. Have no other gods before me. And then he wrote it with his own finger on a rock. And now we take those Ten Commandments off the courtrooms. You slap God? How stupid can you be and still breathe? And Moses said these words in Exodus 20, 20. He said, God did this for you so that you would learn to fear God and not sin. The fear of God will be your number one sin stopper. Because, let me listen to me, every sin has consequences. God's no respecter of persons. I don't care if you're saved. You sin, bam! You got to repent and break it. Otherwise, it's coming your direction. God has no favorites. He said, I've done this so you'd understand the fear of God. It gets quiet in here, but it's okay. Breathe in and breathe out and keep listening. Hallelujah. And so we have to understand these things that when Isaiah looked up and he saw a vision in Isaiah 6, 1 through 8, he said, in the day that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And the Bible says he describes him. He said he was high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. That's his divine glory. He said there was filled with smoke and there were the seraphims. Here are the same angels again. Crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Now they had the different refrain than Revelations 4.8. They said, the whole earth is full of his glory. He said, as he began to, these, as he saw this, he said, I saw the, the post of the pillar sh- of the temple shaking. And the glory of God and, the, and his splendor, his awesomeness. And he said, I fell to my feet. I said, woe is me, for I'm undone. I've got a man of unclean lips. He immediately, under the holiness of God, he just fell at his feet. we got to look at how big he is. Isaiah 40 says he holds. It says he measures the waters in his hand like his cup. And the heavens with, the, with his span of his hand. Meaning that, that's nine inches. That's a big nine inches. He said that the, all the nations of the earth are but a drop in a bucket. He said he looks from the circle of heaven down to earth and sees men as grasshoppers. Understand how big he is. You know, they keep upping how many galaxies are out there. You look it up yourself. They say between 400 to 500, I didn't say stars. Billion, 500 billion galaxies. He created them all. You serve a big God. We've got to make him bigger. You've got to make his holiness bigger. He needs to grow because I promise you the fear of God will keep you from sin more than any other law. The fear of God. It's the truth. I had um, Bankola Akamola. He wouldn't mind me sharing this. He's one of our presbytery. He shared it. When he was a young man, he was away for weeks at a time, better part of two months. 
And he said, I hadn't seen my wife in the longest time. And I was coming in the elevator. It was a downtown Nigerian hotel. I get on the elevator. It was late at night. And I'm by myself. And all of a sudden, this woman of the night just jumps in the elevator. She's the, and they shut the door. And she just throws herself on me. For a minute there, I thought, well, I'm here in Nigeria by myself. Who's to know? But he shook himself. He said, you know what made me shake myself more than anything else? The fear of God. The, he said, I couldn't hear. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That wouldn't do it. Fear of Almighty God. The fear will happen if I do that. I pushed the next button. Jumped out. I said, never to me. That's why it's not good always to travel alone. You got to watch it. That's why Billy Graham, to keep his own purity, all of his people live long lives in the Billy Graham crusade. They all lived to the 90s, 100s, 98 healthy lives. You know why? They kept holy. Some sicknesses come because of disobedience to God. You need to repent. Well, I'm a Christian. I don't care. They'll come right on you because the devil has legal rights. You do this and this, bam, I can get you. I have legal right. I have real legal right to take you out. People think, oh, he's a loving God. No, you're stupid. You, you, you do not understand the severity of when you know to do right and you do wrong. There, there's a penalty that comes that, calls, that, that says the fear of God. That's the fear of God. This country has no fear of God. We got the Nebuchadnezzar syndrome. What's that? Nebuchadnezzar was the biggest, most powerful king in all the earth. He built this great city of Babylon. And David warned him because he had a dream, a vision, a year before, that if you don't repent because you're bragging yourself how big you are, how great you are, he says you can be turned into an animal. So he repented one year. But the Bible says one year later, Daniel 4. He said, I began to look around in my gardens, look around my city. He says, look at what I have built. Look what my hands have made for my honor and for my glory. Bam! The words were out of his mouth. Then the curse hit him. He was turned into a raving lunatic for seven years. He lived like an ox ate grass. The rain showers fell on him. He was chained to, chained to a stump. We have America. Look what we have done. We don't know God. Look at the power of our hands. Called the Nebuchadnezzar syndrome. No, you can't take your next breath without God allowing it. That's why the Bible says you are the, without excuse, oh man. He gave you a brain. Who made the hand? Not an amoeba from a swamp. Who made the eye? Who made the beauty of the heavens? Are you serious? You believe in chance? I'm sorry. I believe in choice. God chose to make that. It's, his, it's by design. And so God, you, you cannot stand for God. God, I never knew. He said, no, you chose not to believe. By, because of your pride. You were all that and ten bags of chips. No, this thing is very dangerous in the world we live in. The reason I preach it is because it's not preached anymore. There's a great, there are four or five great men that are in the, I mean, some of them are great. They're not so great after I heard this. On the national scene, the whole big conventions, spirit-filled conventions. This man gets up, and he's a well-known man, and he preaches on holiness. 
The other three or four got him at the back room that very after he got done, he said, we don't want that taught in this conference. This is not the message for the times. He said, what do you mean it's not the message for the times? No, we don't want to hear it. He had to resign. Because we preach sloppy agape. We preach a grace message and just, we just want to lift people. Let me say something to you. If all you eat is sugar cane and candy, you will never get very strong. You got to eat meat. You got to eat the vegetables. You got to, it can't always be nice to you. Every now and again, you need a slap. I need a slap. You need a slap. Tell your neighbor, you need a slap. You need a slap. No, we do. Lord have mercy. All right, all right, that's long enough. People are getting into that slap business. But, but what is our response to this? How do I respond to the fact that I've been called to holiness? The response is this. For me to pursue God, I've got to pursue holiness. If you want to get closer to God, you've got to get closer with your life. Your life has got to line up. And brother and sister, I'm on a track. I'm not arrived. I have to line up. Because the greater holiness that you walk in is the greater power rest on your life. A. A. Allen, when he was seeking God, he had already miracles, but he went to God. He said, God, I want more power. I want to see greater miracles. Now, this is speaking to me. I'm going to lock myself in a closet and not come out till you show me. He said, I don't know how long I was in there. But I'll shorten the, the whole story. God showed up in the closet. And God gave him like 12 things that he would do. Think about that, 12. Needs to be cleaned up in your life. No, I'm a Christian. I already got signs when I was, no, you got some stuff still hanging out there. God gave it to him. He said, God, 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 I got nothing to write on. He said, could you, wait a minute, literally. He said, God, pause. He went outside, got a paper pencil, came back and wrote it down. And he listed them in the book, the 10 things. The two things he never listed, he said, that's private. But you know what he had to do with? Little things, like your mouth. You run your mouth one time. That's minus five points. Wrong attitude, minus five points. It's the little foxes. He said, I begin to seek God and fast and pray of those 12 things. And the more I did them, the greater the power. And A. Allen today is known as one of the greatest healing revivalists of our, of our day. You see, it's almost like we stop the power based on how we clog it with sin. And what happens when we think we're good enough? No, we're saved by faith and we're made righteous by faith. We are the righteous of God. You are justified. You are sanctified. But there's a position. But then there's the condition. And he's working on the condition. And so this thing about pursuing God, you cannot get it without the word. You cannot get holy without the word of God. God's word has got to paint in you the fear of God. God's word's got to paint in you how holy and mighty he is. 
So you walk with a little humility and you take the strut out of your walk. And you're not arrived. The church has not arrived. And why the devil hates this message? Because he knows it's the source of power. When he has a church where everyone pursues holiness to get their life right, to watch their mouth, their thoughts, their actions. They want to line up with Jesus. The more we do it, the greater the power, the greater the anointing. So there's not a side subject. How dare we take it off the agenda of teaching? It is the subject for the hour. Because the devil doesn't want the power. But we're going to have it here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so we got to develop this fear of God. Everybody say fear of God. Fear of God, it means a reverence, a deep respect, an awe, and a submission. We got to develop this. We got to take the Word of God and the Holy Ghost to make it alive in us. And Hebrews 12, 28, 29, talk about developing this respect. It says that we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Never get the aspect of God that he's a holy God. He's a righteous God. We've got to develop it. In 1 Corinthians 7, 1, it says that we perfect holiness in the fear of God. You perfect holiness in the fear of God. Now, I've got some fear of God's verses. I'm just going to rattle them off real quick. In Proverbs 13, 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, and the evil way. Wow. I've got to hate the things that God hates. Hebrews 1.7, Jesus said he hated iniquity. He hated sin. He hated lawlessness. He hated it. We've got to hate pornography. Men, you've got to hate it. You got to hate perversion of any kind. Because this holiness is not a piecemeal holiness. This is a, your whole life. We'll talk later about how we have the power to conquer sin. But you have the power to conquer every sin. And you can have the body of Christ to help you. And people gather around you to be accountable. But you got to hate it. It said, another scripture out of uh, Proverbs 16, it says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Lord, I don't want to do that because I don't want to grieve you. Another one says out of Proverbs 16, 6, by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. Banca Kamola. I ain't doing it because there are consequences. When Jesus healed a sick man, he went to see him after he was healed. He said, don't commit sin lest a worse thing come upon you. And my favorite, Proverbs 23, 17 to 18. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be seekers for the fear of the Lord. All the day. For surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. What's he saying? It pays to fear God. You live a life of fearing God. You live a life of, of, of respecting God. You see this Bible here? It's called the Holy Bible. 
Why is that? Why is Israel called the Holy Land? Why is Jerusalem called the Holy City? Do you know why? They all belong to God. This Bible is God's word. Israel belongs to God. Jerusalem belongs to God. Do you understand me? And so you belong to God because the saint is the Holy One. You now belong to God. And if you belong to God, God wants you to step up to what he's called you to. It's a holy calling. It's a high calling. But he needs your cooperation. He can't do it just himself. He needs you to will it. He needs you to present yourself. Take the word of God. There's another great scripture I love that's taken out of uh, Psalm 119. Wherewithal shall young man cleanse his way but by taking heed to your word. But by taking heed to your word, you've got to be like diligent about it. You've got to be like, you are not stopping down, stepping down till this word burns that sin out of you. In fact, let me tell you what, there's, a, there's another side of pleasing God. There's another side of fearing God. That's pleasing God. I must say pleasing God. Pleasing God. Jesus lived his whole life to please the Father. He said, everything I do pleases the Father. Pleasing God. You have to ask the question, is what I'm watching pleasing God? Is where I'm going pleasing God? You know what pleases God? When you serve him. That's why it's good to serve God in the house. That's what's always driven me. I want to serve God because I'm pleasing him. I don't want to be lazy in the house of God. I want to get a waffle bottom in the house of God. What's a waffle bottom? Well, where I grew up in Africa, people have like these wicker chairs. If you sit there very long in the hot weather, your bottom will turn into a waffle. Your whole skin turns into a waffle. God doesn't want you to be a waffle bottom. He wants you to be about pleasing him. Why do I want to go win souls? I want to please him. Why do I want to go on mission trips? I want to please him. Why do I want to worship God? I want to please him. Why do I want to get close to God? I want to please him. I want to please him. I want to please God. I want to please God. And I want to shrink from anything that displeases him. A known sin. If you say something out of your mouth, I've heard Christians that listen, not in this house, but as soon as they get away, here come words. What the? What did you just say? If you stand around my presence, I'll jump on you. I'll cast the devil out of you. How dare a Christian use their same mouth that praises God to use foul language out there that displeases God? Well, you're being a legalist. No, I'm just telling you about how to be holy. Would you say that in front of Jesus? Oh, uh, no. Why would you say in front of me? You got to get, listen to me, you got to be strong here. You can't, listen. I've learned a long time ago, never take advice from Christians regarding entertainment, movies, anything. Because their standard is in the gutter. I learned that years ago, like 30 years ago. We said, this is a great movie. You've got to see this great movie. I get in there, this cussing. What in the world? What, what? I, I mean, I left the idea. What That was, yeah, it was a good lot of action. But I am not letting my ears hear that kind of cussing that goes on. And I'll tell you what, what was normal today gets abnormal. I mean, the devil's in everything. You gotta watch everything. Like my kids, the only thing they watch maybe is Shark Tank, and maybe uh, they watch the Cake Boss. He bakes cake. My wife like my, my daughter. But this last one, I, watched, I said, we're not watching that anymore. They had some homosexual guy being a judge. I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. 
I don't want to watch it. No, 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 no. Listen to me. So they got, so, no, no, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put, you know, I, I just understand how this upsets me. Where you've got Walt Disney, let me tell you, Walt Disney always was on the occultic side. They just hit it. You didn't know the seven dwarfs weren't dwarfs, they were demons. So how do I know that? Because I've been to Africa. And they said, we see these short things. They, they, they're like a little hats, a little old men. We know what they are. We call them togolos. The togolos. We know that's the devil. When we see the seven dwarfs, we see the seven demons with a dumb white woman. I'll tell you what. That's, you gotta, but no, we let that get by. And we let by fan, fan, Fantasia. And so now, they've got the Muppets. Transvestite Muppets. Homosexual Muppets. My God, is nothing sacred. So forget it. You just got to turn it all off. Listen, the whole world's going to hell. You can no longer fellowship with the world. The, if you've, you cannot walk with God and run with devils. There has to be a separation. I'm not reading that. I'm not watching that. I'm not seeing that. You've got to make up your mind, I'm going to live a holy life. Jesus, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. Some of you need to take a, I can't grip, I can't get a brick throw to the TV and don't buy another one. No, listen to me, it, it's, it's just so sad. But filth is coming at you. And, and the way the churches accommodate filth is they lower the standard, including the pastor. I've had up to here, here one more. Wife swapping, homosexuality, beer or, 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 or you know, drinking in the house of God. A pox on it all. What's that? A curse. So, you know what? Just can I be really real? I believe in learning and growing from other pastors and going to conferences. But in today's church world, there's very, very few I can go to. They drank the Kool-Aid. They justified it. This is how you reach sinners. You don't reach sinners by serving swamp water. You reach sinners by giving the unadulterated, powerful word of God and the anointing that's on the word. Because people's spirit know what's real. So we're, are you a holiness church? Yeah, I might change my name. World Harvest Church of Holiness. No, we're, we're about being holy here. We ought to watch it. Like we have all the young people, we have, one, we have one council for every four or five kids. Why? We got to watch them. You get them in the woods alone? Got to watch them. We're counting all the time. And there's always one floozy. We have to chase after them. You are not doing anything. I'll just be real. I watch my staff. I said, staff, you never go anywhere with a woman alone. Never. I got four glass windows around my office. You got that? I want to make myself accountable. Because let me tell you what, the dumbest person is thinking, I can never fall. Oh, Really? Be aware of the devil. Be aware of demons in people. Amen. Be aware. Be aware. Be aware. I got my wife. I mean, she's like a bloodhound. She's like a tick, a, a, a blue tick dog. Oh, oh. She'll, she'll pick out women. She'll, that one right there. Watch that one.
Watch that one. You know, sometimes us guys were dumb as a sack of rocks. Oh, what's happening? The women read it. I know what's happening. Sister Jezzy's knocking on your door. No, and, and, and let me tell you what. We love you, but if someone falls, we don't put you back two months later. We'll put you back, but it'll be, take several years because we've got to be sure that you're truly delivered and truly healed. Now, don't mean we, we don't throw away those that get shot in battle. But this thing about, oh, right back. What? What? There was a guy up the street. I won't mention his name. If I mention the, the people he came out to, very homeless. So he has an affair for 13 years while he's pastoring the church. So he puts himself on a few months sabbatical. Then put himself back in church. He said, I restored myself. If you go, if you ever mention that guy's name, I say run. If I, I, I want to say this, I can't say it. The one thing I fight, not getting disheartened, is what's going on to the body of Christ. I hate to say it, but America's church is sick. Very, very sick. Yeah, don't impress me with your numbers. You can't go to heaven with motivational talks. You've got to go to heaven with the word of God. We need to have open up altars. You need to repent of sin. You need to understand that being born again, now you have a call on your life to be holy. To shred every bit of the worldliness off your life. Now, we never condemn people here. We'll always embrace you. We'll always love you. We don't point our bony, pharisaical finger at you because there's level ground at the cross, but we don't lower the standard. The standard is Jesus. We're going to be holy like Jesus. We're going to please God. We're going to please God. You've got to make your life. We're going to please God. People make moves so quick. Moving churches. Does it please God? Where are you called? How are you fasting? Fasting, what's that? Fasting where you quit eating for a while. And seek the face of God. Who is your pastor? I realize many people come to church, I am not their pastor. It's in here. They're not submitted. They're all that. It's okay, I love you. I love the sheep and the goats. What's a goat? Uh, they always, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, but, but. I don't know why I'm getting off of this, but you need to understand, that's not for my benefit, it's for your benefit. I don't get anything that I'm not, I could care less. I mean, in one sense. Does that make sense? The less people, the less people to manage. But it is a, it is a submission thing. Let me tell you what, when you fear God, you fear his structure. You fear who he ordains. Let me tell you what. You have a respect for whom God sets up. That's why we go to great lengths to honor our guests. You know why? They're God's mouthpiece. We will take care of them. Go to the nth degree. Why? When we honor them, we honor God. And when we honor God, we get a reward. Is it pleasing to God? Now, I got a little bit off on here, but that's okay. Somebody needed that. But everybody say, pleasing God. And so it's, uh, Jesus was submitted to the Father. Jesus was obedient to the Father. 
And to please God, we need to understand, this is the will of God, even my sanctification. It's what God wants. How about you? I've not arrived. Have you? Can I be really transparent? Tell you stuff that I've done wrong recently? I have to, I have to go for that far back. Uh, <laughs> Friday, I'm here, and I got great armor bearers, great security. They're, they're hearts of gold. But I, I get a little bit OCDC when it comes to little, little things. I, and I was, I was getting the, they put the pulpit was up front. And she was preaching. And then I said, put the pulpit back here so people can get to the offering. This is Debbie. And then I, then as they're leaving, I worship, okay, put the pulpit back. Put the pulpit back. It was Dr. John Webster. And uh, he didn't. And I started getting nervous. I said, put the people, put the pulpit back. And I just kept my hand and pushed him. Oh, I said, no, pastors, do not do that. And he put the pulpit where it was. I'd apologize to him. Now I'm apologizing to you. But that was wrong. It's just, if she's got to sit there and wait until you bring the pulpit, that's okay. Don't push people. <laughs> but God, I mean, my own spirit said, wrong. <laughs> so here's the deal. To please God, you've got to walk repenting a lot. Yeah. Repenting. Now for me, my hand is constantly mashed on the repenting button. Because I'm repenting. Lord, have mercy. But if you be quick to repent, just keep a tender heart. Like, God, I don't want to displease you. I don't want to ever justify and become arrogant and become like, well, no, no. I've watched people crash, die, and burn with that. Am I pleasing you with my attitude? The Lord, as a shepherd, I'm here to serve the sheep. And I'm telling you, my heart is to let everyone in here Get up the ladder God's called you to, follow, to get up. Fulfill the call of God. That's what I'm here to do. It's my greatest joy is to watch people step into their full, the fullness of the ministry. That's my greatest joy. That's what it's all about. It's not about me. It's about you. But I realize that one day I'll stand before God and give an account. How did you handle the sheep? By the way, they're not my sheep. They're his. They're his sheep. And I'm not here to, to, learn, to find out the way up through me. I will help you hear Jesus so you hear Jesus. And you follow what he asks you to do. Otherwise, there's bondage in that. Does that make sense? We need to be liberty in the house of God. And no one has to stay here. Come and go where you need to. But follow the Holy Ghost. Amen? So, but this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Psalm 17.4. It says, by the word of your lips... I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. What does it mean? Through the word. I put the word in me. The word will quicken my spirit of what I need to do. Amen. And the Bible says, Jesus said, John 17, 17, he says, Lord, your word is true. Sanctify them. Talk about the disciples by your truth. I'm going to be set apart as I put this word in me. Let the Holy Ghost work in me. Let me close with this. I want to get into it later, but the benefits of living a holy life. Wow. Wow. The more holy you live, let me tell you what, your confidence, your faith in God grows. Because when you sin, the devil loves sin because he wants to make you shrink from his presence. But when you live a holy life, you don't lean on your own 
good works, but on faith in Christ. But it helps your faith. Let me tell you what. I, I, I found out when you live a holy life, you begin to live a life of victory and power. When you live a holy life, you live a happy life. Amen. You really do. You live a life of, of joy. God is at work in you. Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And what he wants is us to be holy like him. So I believe in these last days, God is pouring out his spirit and the fire of the Holy Spirit to purchase, cleanse us, and to call us up to that holy living. That you will live a life full of power. That you'll live a life connected to the Holy Ghost. Not zigzagging through life. But you've got to pursue holiness. You've got to tell God, I want to be holy. I want to be like you. Don't make it a side issue. Make it the issue. Make it the issue. I want to develop my character to be like Jesus. I want to become like him in every way. And you've got to be repenting all the time, quickly. You'll say something too short, repent. You, and things you should be doing or not. Just want to please you, Father. I just want to please you. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you today that you love us so much that you sent Jesus Christ, your only son, only begotten son. That whoever would believe on him would not die but have the life of God, the Zoe life, eternal life implanted into their spirit. They were made brand new. And that God, you yourself, the Holy Spirit would come invade us. Hallelujah. Thank you once again for listening to World Harvest Church's podcast. World Harvest Church is pastored by Pastor Merrick and Linda Houghton in Roswell, Georgia. If you're interested in learning more about us, please visit our website at whcga.com. Like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel by typing WHCGA into the search bar on both platforms. And we hope you have a blessed week.